It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. From stocking the kitchen with the right kitchen tools, utensils, and pantry staples to serving a crowd or entertaining for special events, the cookbook Healthy Calendar Diabetic Cooking provides all the info and guidance you need to create a kitchen that's ready for the preparation of healthy meals for the whole family. Like many with diabetes, author and dietitian Lara Hamilton was recently diagnosed with celiac disease and subsequently went on a gluten-free diet. Using her firsthand experience, she's giving us expert tips on how to plan meals, alter recipes, and follow a gluten-free diet. And she's joining me today on Amy's Table to share her tips for getting a healthy meal onto the table. Hi, Lara. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. So what a great book. First of all, so many diabetics in the country. I don't know if you have any statistics there. Yes, it's around 22 million right now. So a lot of those are undiagnosed, unfortunately. People are walking around with diabetes and don't even know they have it. Yikes. So what do you think? How did we get here? Is it lifestyle? Is it genetic? What What's the behind it? Well, first thing to note, there's two types of diabetes. So type 1 is more of an autoimmune issue, mm-hmm. and that's more diagnosed in young children, and they are the ones that have to be on insulin injections. Okay. But the majority of people in the country right now have type 2 diabetes. About 90% of the diabetes is type 2, which is more adult uh, diagnosed as adults. Mm-hmm. And you're more at risk if you're over age 40. Um, certain ethnic groups, African-American, Hispanic, are more at risk. The family history is huge, definitely. If you have a history of diabetes in your family, you're definitely more at risk. And then being overweight definitely increases your risk of getting it as well. So in the case where it's it's weight uh, and diet choices, that's something you can really manage your way out of the disease. Am I correct? You can definitely control diabetes by eating right, exercising, losing weight. It's tremendous, the effect it has on bringing down blood sugar. Yeah, yeah. My sister was diagnosed with diabetes recently and really took stock and um, made major changes in in how she ate and, you know, how she moved her body, and she's doing great. I'm I'm very impressed by it. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely possible. You know, sometimes it's a wake-up call for people to change their their life and start eating healthier and and exercising. They kind of knew they had to do it before, but they weren't doing it. Well, and interestingly, this this book, Healthy Calendar Diabetic Cooking, this would benefit all of us. You don't have to be diabetic to eat this way. This is a healthy diet for sure. But tell me a little bit about getting diagnosed with celiac disease. That's another thing. It's like epidemic. Yeah, basically, celiac disease has been really underdiagnosed for many years, and finally the awareness is spreading, and people are actually getting the diagnosis, but it takes a lot of people about seven years. They have these symptoms, go to the doctor, and they usually don't get a celiac disease uh, diagnosis for about seven years. And so, you know, my story was that I was um, writing one of the cookbooks, and during the process, I was tasting a lot of whole wheat products and doing a lot of whole grain cooking um, with wheat, and during that time, I just started getting really, really sick and thought, okay, and as time went on, it just got worse. And I basically couldn't eat a lot of food. I was losing a lot of weight. And, of course, I was a dietitian, so I knew about celiac disease and asked to be tested. And I, you know, definitely was positive for that. So in 2007, I drastically changed my diet. Yeah. And had to be on a gluten-free diet at that time. And it's it's the only 
treatment for celiac disease is the gluten-free diet. And and interestingly, you said something. So it's not becoming an epidemic. It's becoming diagnosed. Yes, I believe so. Definitely, especially in the United States, it's been really underdiagnosed, and now there's just the awareness, and I mm-hmm. think more um, healthcare professionals are familiar with it and screening for it, which is wonderful. Yeah, and how does one screen for celiac disease? So the initial screening is just done by a blood test where they test a certain antibody level in the blood, and if that's positive, that means that person is at, you know definitely could have celiac disease, but they must have a biopsy of their intestines to confirm. Okay, okay. And the other thing is, and I know this is obviously about diabetic cooking and not celiac disease, but while we're on this topic, you said you were sick. What are the symptoms? How, what would people be looking for to consider that they might have celiac disease? Well, and that's kind of the issue is that the symptoms vary so much among people. That's why it's hard to diagnose. Um, you know, I think I had the disease for many years but didn't have the classic gastrointestinal symptoms. So the classic symptoms could be, you know, diarrhea, you can't tolerate food, vomiting, the weight oh. loss. But many people don't have that. A lot of people just may feel bloated. They may have had stomach issues. They may have been diagnosed with IBS. They may have anemia. Um, in children, there could be growth problems where the children aren't growing properly. Um, Osteoporosis in in some patients undiagnosed is also seen. Mm. Joint pain. So a lot of different symptoms, definitely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So something to just, if you have any of those, talk about it with your doctor at your next physical exam. Well, let's get back to, of course, the diabetic cooking. And do you think that one of the biggest obstacles for people when it comes to following a healthy diet is lack of planning? Yes, I think it's time. Everybody, everybody is so busy trying yeah. to do a million things, and they just don't have time to plan their meals, even though they have good intentions and want to eat healthy. So we should say that this cookbook, Healthy Calendar Diabetic Cooking, it's the second edition, by the way, it's more than just the recipes. This actually helps you to create your grocery list and to plan the menus for you. So how did you go about the whole thought process of this book? Well, you know, I was working as a dietitian and a diabetes educator counseling people, and they would always say to me, please just tell me what to eat every day. Please, I don't want to think about it. Just tell me what to eat every day. And I thought, well, I can't tell you what to eat every single day. And then my best friend is a chef, and so I said, you know, I just feel like people really need help planning their dinners, and maybe we could do a cookbook, and it plans their their dinners for the entire year, and we can give them their grocery lists and break it down by month so that the foods that you are used in the book are seasonal foods. Smart. And, um, really, all the planning is done. Yeah, that is really smart. Now, I have to ask you, there, there must be some repeats. I mean, especially if somebody loves a particular recipe, they get to serve it more than once, right? No, there's over 300 recipes. Wow. We have like maybe a couple different burger recipes or a couple different pork tenderloin recipes, but all, you know, definitely over 300 recipes, five entrees per week, Two side dishes per week because we figured most people don't cook seven days out of a week. Yeah, You can have leftovers or go out to eat one day and then a dessert a month as well. I think that is so fantastic. And it does. It takes all the legwork out for the consumer and the person who's trying to cook well. So different recipes all year. Imagine that because I know that many people, they have the same five recipes they rotate. Exactly. I think most people do. They get stuck in a rut, then they get burned out, then they, you know, start eating bad food. And this food appeals to the whole family. It's not just for people with diabetes. It's how we all should be eating. Exactly. I have two children under age four. They eat this food. So it's really 
healthy, quick meals. Yep, and doable. That's the important thing. Well, so I know I asked you if there was a statistic about how many Americans were diabetic. Is there a statistic about how many Americans go to the grocery store with no list at all? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that statistic, but just in my practice, I see that a lot. Yeah. And then they come home with all these groceries and they still don't have anything to cook for dinner. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's, that's I think, one of the most important things that this book drives home is the planning. You can't cook if you don't have the food to cook with. You can't cook healthy if you don't have healthy ingredients. And many people aren't, you know, intuitive cooks that they could put together something without a recipe. So you need those directions as well. So the list is critical, but I suppose there's some things that we should always keep in our kitchen. Any suggestions there? As far as, I'm sorry, what was the last part of the question? Things to keep in our kitchen. What ingredients should always be there? Oh, the staple ingredients that we have are definitely going to be like canned chicken broth, canned beans, fresh vegetables, onions, garlic, peppers, a lot of good seasoning and spices, basil, oregano. Um, Those were just staples that we you see almost on every grocery list every week in our book. And I should mention also that all... All the recipes are made with food that you can buy at a regular grocery store. You don't have to go to specialty stores to make these recipes. It's normal food. Yeah, that's very important. Well, I know that you shared a recipe with us for the portobello mushroom pizza. And interestingly, this is something that could be made on a pizza crust, or you've adapted it to be gluten-free by making it in the portobello mushrooms themselves. Right, exactly. And that definitely eliminates the gluten. You just use the portobello mushroom as the crust and then do your toppings on the pizza. And then it's also lower in carb, too, because people with diabetes have to be watching their carbohydrate intake. So it's both. It's a gluten-free and low-carb recipe. That's amazing. And I know that when people are diagnosed with celiac disease or diabetes and have to drop those carbs or gluten, it can be pretty difficult. What are some of the you know ways that you've come around and, and made things that you like to eat that are gluten-free? Well, you know, I just I kind of just think if you think of regular whole foods, fresh foods, that those foods a lot of times are naturally gluten-free and are going to be the healthiest foods for us, so they're going to be diabetes-friendly. Things like beans, you know, most of your canned beans, black-eyed peas, red beans, garbanzo beans, those are naturally gluten-free and very healthy carbohydrate. Sweet potatoes, naturally gluten-free, healthy carbohydrate. Fruits, all gluten-free. Nuts, Mm gluten-free and lower carb and healthy. So a lot of it can work for both diets. Well, so for example, pizza. You've put the you've made the portobello mushroom be the pizza crust, if you will. What about sandwiches? What about burgers? You know, things that we're used to the bread. Right. Well, talking about diabetes, we used a lot of whole grain breads, so a lot of those could have wheat. But mm-hmm. if you needed to do gluten free, there's just a lot of products available now that you could purchase. You could do you know gluten free bread that's whole grain, or you could use lettuce wraps on your burgers instead. There's all kinds of whole grain tortillas as well made yep. that are gluten-free, made out of rice and, and other flours. So corn tortillas are naturally gluten-free. Yeah, and oh, I love them. That's No one will feel they're missing anything there. Well, you know, it's interesting when you talked about some of the things to keep in the house and, and black beans or any kind of bean being one of them. And, you know, it's hard to give up certain things when you're diabetic or gluten-free. I just recently tasted a uh, gluten-free brownie made with black beans. 
Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. And I thought, wow, you know, that's, it's just all we're lacking here is imagination when it comes to things that we need to, to do to adapt our diets. Absolutely. You know, being more um, experimentative in what you're eating, I think, and you'll be surprised at what you like. I tell people that all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm- amazing so yeah i've had them i've had those brownies and they're great oh they're really good they're definitely good well if you are just joining us we're speaking with lara hamilton she is the co-author of healthy calendar diabetic cooking and lara has shared with us her recipe for portobello mushroom pizza which i'm going to go ahead and put on amystable.com as well as a link to the book to let you learn more about that and a link to www.diabetes.org for more information about diabetes in america lara thank you so much it was great to chat with you today oh thanks so much for having me have a great day stick around for another helping from amy's table on q102 q102